Hello everybody and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast episode number 151. Today's big Bible question, does God preside over an assembly of lesser deities according to the Bible? So hello, happy Thursday to you. I struggled for a while today, if I'm being honest, to come up with an opener. Uh, Let me pull back the curtains a little bit on doing a daily podcast. I feel like, uh, not every day certainly, but I don't know, three or four times a week, I should come up with a clever or interesting or funny or engaging opening to this podcast. As we've gone past 150 episodes so far this year, eh, sometimes the well is dry. Not at all for the actual content of the show. Like, I love doing this and have had maybe one day out of 150 that I've struggled to come up with a topic from today, the day's Bible reading. The fact is, the Bible is just too deep to ever get bored with or run out of material to discuss. Now, the cold opening of the pod, however, is kind of different. So, I had a brilliant idea. Let's Google the best theology jokes. Not just a Bible joke or a religion joke, but a real deep theology joke. Something kind of clever and highbrow. Well, my friends, let me tell you what. There are apparently not many good theology jokes out there. In fact, if you have one, I'd love to hear it. I am so bummed out. Like, probably the most uh, prominent list of theology jokes I found. Number two on that list was... Is theology the study of people named Theo? That was the whole joke. Like, that was it. Groan. Oh my gosh. Well, I did, while looking for theology jokes, accidentally stumble on some philosophy jokes, though. And as I was a philosophy major in college, I was reminded of an old favorite. In fact, I found several lot better philosophy jokes than theology jokes. So this, my friends, this philosophy joke is your opener. A renowned philosopher was held in high regard by his driver, who listened in awe as his boss lectured and answered difficult questions about the nature of things and the meaning of life. Then, one day, the driver approached the philosopher and asked if he was willing to switch roles for just one evening. The philosopher agreed, and for a while, the driver handled himself remarkably well. However, when the time came for questions from the audience, somebody at the back of the room asked him, is the epistemological meta-narrative that you seem to espouse compatible with a teleological account of the universe? That is an extremely simple question, he replied. So simple, in fact, that even my driver could answer it. So, today's Bible readings include Deuteronomy chapter 1, Psalms 81 and 82, Isaiah 29, and 3 John. Today's question is going to be a strange one for many. Does God preside over a council of lesser deities, according to the Bible. And our focus text is Psalms 82. So let's go and read both of our Psalms 80 passages today, 81 and 82, and then we're going to discuss this whole divine council business. Psalms 81, verse 1, in the Christian Standard Bible. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout in triumph to the God of Jacob, Lift up a song, play the tambourine, the melodious lyre, and the harp. Blow the ram's horn on the day of our feasts, during the new moon and during the full moon. For this is a statute for Israel, an ordinance of the God of Jacob. He set it up as a decree for Joseph when he went throughout the land of Egypt. I heard an unfamiliar language. I relieved his shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from carrying the basket. You called out in distress, and I rescued you. I answered you from the thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Meribah, Selah. 
Listen, my people, and I will admonish you. Israel, if you would only listen to me, there must not be a strange God among you. You must not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own plans. If only my people would listen to me and Israel would follow my ways, I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cower to him. Their doom would last forever. But he would feed Israel with the best wheat. I would satisfy you with honey from the rock. Psalms 82 verse 1, our focus chapter. God stands in the divine assembly. He pronounces judgment among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Provide justice for the needy and the fatherless. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and needy. Save them from the power of the wicked. They do not know or understand. They wander in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High, however you will die like humans and fall like any other ruler. Rise up, God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. So, what gives here? God pronounces judgment among the gods? I thought there was only one God. Well, that is true. There is only one almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. There is only one creator God, only one king of kings. There is none beside him and none above him. He reigns over all. In that sense, there is only one God. In another sense, a biblical sense, there are many Elohim which is the Hebrew word that is often translated God, or G-O-D, with a lowercase g. You see this concept in several places in the Bible. For instance, Exodus 12.12 says, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both people and animals. I am the Lord. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. Exodus 15.11 Lord, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? Judges chapter 2 verse 3. Therefore I now say, I will not drive out these people before you. They will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a trap for you. That is the angel of the Lord speaking. Or how about 1 Kings 11.4? When Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away to follow other gods. He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord his God as his father David had been. That's 1 Kings 11.4. 1 Chronicles 16.25. For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared above all gods. Or Psalms 86.8. Lord, there is none like you among the gods, and there are no works like yours. Psalms 97.7. All who served carved images, those who boast in worthless idols, will be put to shame. All the gods must worship him. Or Psalm 136.2. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. So to summarize, the Bible makes it clear that there is only one God of gods. This is biblical monotheism. The Bible also makes it clear that there are many Elohim, and the most prominent and normative way to translate Elohim is God's. And Psalms 82, according to many scholars, is teaching us that God rules a council of little g gods, or 
We can call them heavenly beings if you prefer. Dr. Michael Heiser, the Logos Bible Software Scholar in Residence, is kind of an expert on the divine counsel of God. His book, The Unseen Realm, is a pretty fascinating read. Now, I don't know that I'd go all the way with Dr. Heiser and some of his theories, but he makes some very interesting points and sticks to the Bible to do so. So, let's call this the Heiser Thesis on the Divine Counsel of God. I'm going to read a portion of The Unseen Realm. You listen to it, or you can read it on the BibleReadingPodcast.com blog, and weigh it on its biblical merits. As with everything you hear on this podcast, always go to the Word of God first and foremost. Judge Heiser's teachings, and especially my teaching, or my podcast, according to how well it sticks to God's Word. So this is what Dr. Heiser says in The Unseen Realm. Several Old Testament passages describe this administrative structure existing in the heavenly realm. Psalms 82 is perhaps the clearest and perhaps the most startling. As I related in the first chapter of this book, it's the passage that opened my eyes. The psalm refers to Yahweh's administration as a council. The first verse reads, God, or it uses the word Elohim, stands in the divine assembly. He administers judgment in the midst of the gods, or Elohim. You no doubt notice that, as was pointed out earlier, the word Elohim occurs twice in this verse. You also probably recognize Elohim as one of God's names in Hebrews, despite the f- in Hebrew, despite the fact that the form of the word is plural in English. We make words plural by adding an s or an es or an ies. For instance, rats, horses, or stories. In Hebrew, plurals of masculine nouns end with im, while the word Elohim is plural in its form. Its meaning can be either plural, or singular. Most often, over 2,000 times in the Hebrew Bible, it is singular, referring to the God of Israel. We have words like this in English. For example, sheep, says Dr. Heiser, can be either singular or plural. When we see sheep by itself, we actually don't know if we should think think of one sheep or a flock of sheep. If we put sheep into a sentence, the sheep is lost, we know that only one sheep is meant since the verb is is requires a singular subject. Likewise, the sheep are lost informs us that the status of more than one sheep is being discussed. Grammar guides us. It's the same in Psalm 82. Psalm 82.1 is especially interesting since Elohim occurs twice in that single verse. In Psalm 82.1, the first Elohim must be singular since the Hebrew grammar has the word as the subject of a singular verbal form for stands. The second Elohim must be plural since the preposition in front of it in the midst of grammatically requires more than one. It's plural. You can't be in the midst of one. The preposition calls for a group, as does the earlier noun assembly. The meaning of the verse is inescapable. The singular Elohim of Israel presides over an assembly of Elohim. A quick read of Psalms 82 informs us that God has called this council meeting to judge the Elohim for the corrupt rule of the nations. Verse 6 of the psalm declares that these Elohim are sons of God. God says to them, I have said, you are gods, Elohim, and sons of the Most High, Beni Elion, all of you. To a biblical writer, the Most High, or Elion, was the God of Israel. The Old Testament refers to him as Most High in several places, like Numbers 14, uh, 
I'm sorry, Numbers 24, Genesis 14, Psalm 7, Psalms 18, Psalms 47. The sons of God, the Most High here, are clearly called Elohim, as the pronoun you in verse 6 is a plural form in the Hebrew. Now, the text is not clear whether all of the Elohim are under judgment or just some. The idea of Elohim ruling the nations under God's authority is a biblical concept that is described in other passages we'll explore later in this book. For now, it's sufficient that you see clearly that the sons of God are divine beings under the authority of the God of Israel. You see why that psalm threw me for a loop when I first began to study it. The first verse has God presiding over an assembly of gods. Doesn't that sound like a pantheon, something that we associate with polytheism and mythology? For that very reason, many English translations actually obscure the Hebrew in this verse. For example, the NASB translated as, translate this verse as, God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. Now, there's no need to camouflage what the Hebrew text says. People shouldn't be protected from the Bible. The biblical writers were not polytheists. But since Psalms 82 generates questions and controversies, we need to spend some time on what it teaches and what it doesn't teach, along with other passages that inform us about the divine counsel. And indeed, Dr. Heiser's book, The Unseen Realm, goes on to do just that and to explore all of the appearances of this group of Elohim, uh, heavenly beings, if you would like, or little g-gods, all of this, the appearances of the, the Elohim in the Bible. And it's fascinating. It's a fascinating thesis. I don't know what to do with it, but I think Dr. Heiser makes his case quite well. Uh, it appears that the Bible teaches that there are many heavenly beings, or Elohim, that God presides over in terms of a council. Now, what do we do with that information? I don't really know. It's not supremely important, um, at least not to us. It, what is supremely important to us is the gospel of Jesus, is loving the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that we follow his word. Those are the things that are really important. But every now and then on this podcast, I like to cover something uh, like the Avenger of Blood a few days ago, and like this today, when we get to it, that is fascinating. And I think the whole idea of the divine counsel is fascinating. And at the very least, it warrants further study in the Word of God. Well, speaking of the Word of God, let's keep reading. Today, we enter a new book, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel across the Jordan in the wilderness in the Arabah opposite Suf between Paran and Tophel, Leban, Hatsuroth, and Dai Zahab. It is an eleven-day journey from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by way of Mount Seir. In the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first of the month, Moses told the Israelites everything the Lord had commanded him to say to them. This was after he had defeated King Sihon of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and King Og of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth at Edre. Across the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb. You have stayed at this mountain long enough. Resume your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and their neighbors in the Arabah, the hill country, the Judean foothills, the Negev, and the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, 
I have set the land before you. Enter and take possession of the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their future descendants. I said to you at that time, I can't bear the responsibility for you on my own. The Lord your God has so multiplied you that today you are as numerous as the stars of the sky. May the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times more and bless you as he promised you. But how can I bear your troubles, burdens, and disputes by myself? Appoint for yourselves wise understanding and respected men from each of your tribes, and I will make them your leaders. And you replied to me, what you propose to do is good. So I took the leaders of your tribes, wise and respected men, and set them over you as leaders, commanders for thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and officers for your tribes. I commanded your judges at that time, hear the cases between your brothers, and judge rightly between a man and his brother or his resident alien. Do not show partiality when deciding a case. Listen to small and great alike. Do not be intimidated by anyone, for judgment belongs to God. Bring me any case too difficult for you, and I will hear it. At that time, I commanded you about all the things you were to do. We then set out from Horeb and went across all the great and terrible wilderness you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, just as the Lord our God had commanded us. When we reached Kadesh Barnea, I said to you, You have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and take possession of it, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has told you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Then all of you approached me and said, Let's send men ahead of us so that they may explore the land for us and bring us back a report about the route we should go and up in the cities we will come to. The plan seemed good to me, so I selected twelve men from among you, one man for each tribe. They left and went up to the hill country and came to Eskal Valley, scouting the land. They took some of the fruit from the land in their hands, carried it down to us, and brought us back a report. The land that the Lord our God is giving us is good, but you were not willing to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, The Lord brought us out of the land of Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites in order to destroy us because he hates us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart, saying, The people are larger and taller than we are. The cities are large, fortified to the heavens. We also saw the descendants of the Anakim there. So I said to you, don't be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will fight for you, just as you saw him do for you in Egypt. And you saw in the wilderness how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all along the way you travel until you reach this place. But in spite of this, you did not trust the Lord your God who went before you on the journey to seek out a place for you to camp. He went in the fire by night and in the cloud by day to guide you on the road you were to travel. When the Lord heard your words, he grew angry and swore an oath. None of these men in this evil generation will see the good land I swore to give your ancestors except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land on which he has set foot, because he remained loyal to the Lord. The Lord was angry with me because of you and said, You will not enter there either. Joshua, son of Nun, who attends you, will enter it. Encourage him, for he will enable Israel to enter it. Inherit it. Your children, who you said would be plunder, your sons, who don't yet know good from evil, will enter there. I will give them the land, and they will take possession of it. But you are to turn back and head for the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. You answered me, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight, just as the Lord our God commanded us. Then each of you put on his weapons of war and thought it would be easy to go up into the hill country. But the Lord said to me, 
Tell them, don't go up and fight, for I am not with you to keep you from being defeated by your enemies. So I spoke to you, but you didn't listen. You rebelled against the Lord's command and defiantly went up into the hill country. Then the Amorites who lived there came out against you and chased you like a swarm of bees. They routed you from Seir as far as Hormah. When you returned, you wept before the Lord, but he didn't listen to your requests or pay attention to you. For this reason, you stayed in Kadesh as long as you did. Isaiah chapter 29 verse 1 Woe, woe to Ariel, Ariel, the city where David camped. Continue year after year. Let the festivals recur. I will oppress Ariel, and there will be mourning and crying, and she will be to me like an Ariel. I will camp in a circle around you. I will besiege you with earthly ramps, and I will set up my siege towers against you. You will be brought down. You will speak from the ground, and your words will come from low in the dust. Your voice will be like that of a spirit from the ground. Your speech will whisper from the dust. Your many foes will be like fine dust, and many of the ruthless like blowing chaff. Then suddenly, in an instant, you will be punished by the Lord of armies. With thunder, earthquake, and loud noise, storm, tempest, and a flame of consuming fire, all the many nations going out to battle against Ariel, all the attackers, the siege works against her, and those who oppress her, will then be like a dream, a vision in the night. It will be like a hungry one who dreams he is eating, then wakes and is still hungry, and like a thirsty one who dreams he is drinking, then wakes and is still thirsty, longing for water. So it will be for the ma- all the many nations who go to battle against Mount Zion. Stop and be astonished. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with beer. For the Lord has poured out on you an overwhelming urge to sleep. He has shut your eyes, the prophets, and covered your heads, the seers. For you, the entire vision will be like the words of a sealed document. If it is given to one who can read and he is asked to read it, he will say, I can't read it because it's sealed. And if the document is given to one who cannot read it and he is asked to read it, he will say, I can't read. The Lord said, These people approach me with their speeches to honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me, and human rules direct their worship of me. Therefore I will again confound these people with wonder after wonder. The wisdom of their wise will vanish, and the perception of their perceptive will be hidden. Woe to those who go great to great lengths to hide their plans from the Lord. They do their works in the dark and say, Who sees us? Who knows us? You've turned things around as if the potter were the same as the clay. How can that which is made say about its maker, He didn't make me? How can what is formed say about what the one who formed it, he doesn't understand what he's doing? Isn't it true that in just a little while, Lebanon will become an orchard, and the orchard will seem like a forest? On that day, the deaf will hear the words of a document, and out of a deep darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. The humble will have joy after joy in the Lord, and the poor people will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel, for the ruthless one will vanish." The scorner will disappear, and all those who lie in wait with evil intent will be killed. Those who, with their speech, accuse a person of wrongdoing, who set a trap for the one mediating at the city gate, and without cause deprive the righteous of justice. Therefore, the Lord who redeemed Abraham says this about the house of Jacob, Jacob will no longer be ashamed, and his face will no longer be pale. For when he sees his children, the work of my hands within his nation— They will honor my name. They will honor the Holy One of Israel and stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who are confused will gain understanding, and those who grumble will accept instruction. And finally, the shortest book in the Bible, the Epistle of 3 John. 
the elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health, just as your whole life is going well. For I was very glad when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth, how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in truth. Dear friend, you are acting faithfully in whatever you do for the brothers and sisters, especially when they are strangers. They have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, since they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we can be co-workers with the truth. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive our authority. This is why, if I come, I will remind him of the works he is doing, slandering us with malicious words. And he's not satisfied with that. He not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, but he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius, even the truth itself, and we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have many things to write you, but I don't want to write you with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friend sends you greetings. Greet the friends by name. Amen. Peace to you, dear friends. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Godspeed.